it was like getting a flashlight in a dark room. And you had already felt everything out, and you're like, okay, I know everything that's here. And then you turn this flashlight on, it's like, whoa! Now I can actually see- that's not what I thought that was. Cultivation, episode two. So when we left off last time, you had said that there really wasn't much more to live for. You were sort of at a point where basically that was it. I'm wondering why that changed for you. Why not just end your life? Yeah, I asked myself that a lot. I think I was really curious as to what would happen if I stayed. There was this huge part of me that just wanted to give up so bad. I just felt like no matter what, I would always be a failure, a disappointment. And I really didn't want to live anymore because living was this game, this mission, this person I had to be. And I was failing and the frustration was overwhelming. I was so frustrated. I was so tired of trying and failing and trying and failing. And having people tell me that it was so simple, that this is not hard. You should be having no problems doing this. You just need to pray more. You need to start going to church again. Why are you listening to all of these other voices except for your parents, except for the church, except for the people who have been there for you your whole life? Now you're listening to your teachers at a public school. You're listening to conversations you've been having with friends that aren't Christians. You're listening to music that is not music you should be listening to. You are engaging with indigenous people, learning about their lives. You are respecting other people's cultures, which is not what you're supposed to do. Everything I was doing was wrong. And it should have been so easy for me to get back on track, to forget all of those things and go back to church, go back to what I had known. And I think part of the reason I was so frustrated is because I couldn't do that either. I couldn't be myself, but I couldn't go back to the person that I was. So I was stuck in this space of this death of myself right on the cusp of new birth, of this new life, of everything changing, of all the things I wanted to believe, all of the pieces of myself that I wanted so badly to be able to accept. But I knew that first I had to die to everything. Everything had to go. All the structures, all the ways of thinking. And I would look at this pile this ginormous Mount Everest of things that had been built up since I was born. And I just was so tired already and so exhausted. I was like, I just can't do this. There's no way that I can overcome this impossible thing. There's no way I can even try because I'm so exhausted from just trying to stay alive. And then I was like, why am I trying to stay alive? If I can't do anything right anyways, why am I doing this? I was ready. I was ready to go. I had accepted that I wasn't going to be alive anymore, that I was going to end my life. And then I reached out to somebody. I just met this teacher. He was really great. We'll call him Mr. H. 
And Mr. H was the photography teacher. And I was like, sure, let's do photography. Photography sounds fun. Like the moment I met Mr. H, I was like, there's something about this person that is really interesting. I'm not sure what it is, but something about this person. It was, I was a little weirded out, but I was also like super intrigued. And so like I kept going to the class and Mr. H was so funny. He was always joking around and stuff. I really liked him for that. I have, my sense of humor is really stupid and we kind of have the same sense of humor. So it was, I was like, okay, I can, you know, connect with this person that way. And then, yeah, the more I spent time with him, I was like, there's something about you that is different than anyone I've met before, but also familiar. And I think think it was the end of the semester or something and I found out that he was a Christian and I was like this makes so much sense you know of course he's a Christian no wonder you know our little Christian souls were like high-fiving or something I don't know and then I was like wait but he's not the same kind of Christian that I am hmm hmm that's not good there's something so beautiful about this person that I'm drawn to. But he thinks it's okay to be gay. And he has different ideas than we do about cult, different cultures, cultural appropriation, abortion, all of these social justice things we would talk about. I would I would spend so much time just, you know, go to his desk and be like, hey, Mr. H, what do you think about this? And he would tell me and it would just blow my mind but it made so much sense and one thing I really liked about him is he's a he was a really good teacher like he knew how to explain things in layman's terms so that even I could understand and then my ideas started to change about the way I saw the world not only through talking to him but I started taking social justice courses um, in grade 11 and then I was really starting to falter in what I believed and I was really scared but I knew that it was the right thing I knew that I was on the right path there's no going back I just gotta hope that it will make a full circle here and come right back to where we started and I'll figure out that everything is the way it should be because you know there's still time Mr. H will probably come around so you were hopeful that what you were hearing was true and that somehow it could be kind of integrated into the space that you were already in. Exactly. Were you expecting to be changed by that interaction with him? No. No, I thought I was go going in to change other people. And when I realized that I was drawn to conversation with this person, I thought it was God prompting me to reach out to this person, to throw them a lifeline, to save them. But the more I talked to them, the more I realized that they didn't need saving and that I wasn't the one who needed to be saving people, that I actually needed help. I remember sitting in class and Mr. H was talking to somebody else about some social justice thing. Like I was just listening to their conversation, working on my own stuff at a computer. And I remember thinking, I came here thinking that I was going to help change people. But these kids don't need to be changed. They're happy. You know, they're going about their struggles with work or school, or but they're not dying. And the church told me that people who weren't saved were just walking dead. They were like zombies. If 
you go out into the world, you will find all of these broken people looking for anything to fill them. And when I was there and when I really started paying attention to the people around me, I realized that that wasn't happening. That's not the way it was. And the craziest part was realizing that they were not going to persecute me for being a Christian. That was such a huge thing in the cult was this victim mentality of everybody hates us because we stand up for what's right. And the world hates you. The world. They use that a lot. The world is wrong. The world will try to change you. The world. And then when I got out into the world, I was like, I'm actually part of the world. I'm not separate from all these other people. I'm going to class and doing things just like the rest of my grade 10 friends are. This is not a war and there are no sides. These are just people living their life. And I was and then my mind was like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. Everything slowly begins to crumble and I could feel it. And that's when the fear was just overwhelming. And I would push it down and I'd try to ignore it. And I realized that I was changing and that was so scary. But I also knew that it wasn't that I was being brainwashed like they said was going to happen. I was realizing that the church was brainwashing me and that everything I believed in, everything I fought for with them, everything, all those prayers I prayed with my little nine-year-old friends, this whole worldview I constructed is not the way things are. And then I was really distraught. I mean, my whole life that I had lived and struggled so hard to be this perfect Christian I struggled so hard to live up to this image of this soldier in battle fighting for God against the forces of evil and realizing that that's not reality. This is closer to when I started getting really depressed, really anxious, having like panic attacks all the time because now my old way of seeing things was crumbling. What would I have to stand on if that all crumbled? And my whole family also believes this. And what do I do? I can't even have a conversation with my mom about anything anymore without it turning into this fight against my questions and her beliefs. Me being like, I don't know, mom, like the kids at school, they aren't mad at me for being a Christian. And I, and I don't think that the First Nations people, I don't think that they're wrong for wanting to be able to practice their beliefs. I think that that's good. And I, I don't think their beliefs are wrong. And I don't think they're actually going to hell for what they believe. And then she was like, oh, you're just believing everything that they tell you at that school. And then I talked to my dad. Well, dad, I don't know. I, I think maybe it's okay to be gay. I don't think God really has a problem. And God didn't really say that you couldn't. I mean, you say to me all the time that things are mistranslated. You say to me all the time that we're in a different space and time now, that we can eat pork, that we can watch movies, that we can do these things, that I don't have to wear skirts anymore. I can wear pants if I want to. You said that it was a different time, so maybe there's a different time for this too. And maybe those people in the Bible were talking about something else that we just don't understand. Do you think I'm stupid? <laughs> 
Hannah, I've looked into this. I've done my research. I know what's true and I can feel it in my heart. I know what's true and being gay is wrong. It's not what God intended. And just this like really hateful energy. And I was like, whoa, me asking questions is not working so great for me. They were like, you should know this. Why are you even asking these questions? You know all these things. What's making you question it? And I'm like, well, I'm learning about some things in school. <laughs> They're like, oh, it was a bad idea to send you there. They're just, you're just letting them into your head and you're being super gullible and stupid and letting them tell you what to think. And I was like, yeah, maybe you're right. But at that point, nothing made sense anymore because I was feeling drawn to this other space. I was feeling more myself in this other space than I did in church now, than I did at home now. And I was like, what is happening? So what was happening? I think I was getting educated. I was actually learning things that were real and true. And not just in the studies or what we did in schoolwork. I was with different people. I was outside of the bubble. I had left the safety zone where they controlled everything. They couldn't control what these teachers said. They couldn't control how I would connect with certain people or that I was a little bit open. They couldn't control that. And I fell in love with this new way of being in a really weird way because I say that and that I couldn't go back. It was like somebody had given me something that was so horrible and wonderful it was like getting a flashlight in a dark room and you had already felt everything out and you're like, okay, I know everything that's here. And then you turn this flashlight on. It's like, whoa, now I can actually see. That's not what I thought that was. And now I can never go back to thinking that that thing in front of me is a chair because now I know that it's an easel to paint on. So even if I turn the flashlight off, I still know that it's an easel now because I've seen it. And I can't go back to thinking it's a chair. And I tried to. I would go back to my Bible when I was having like these really hard conversations with myself. And i read things again. And I'd be like, no, this is true. This has to be true. This is what they told me. This has to be a chair. They told me it was a chair. And then I'd look at it again and I'd be like, it doesn't even say that it's a chair. Oh, no. That's not good. And I'd be like... But they said that Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus is the only way. And the Bible says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I'd like think about that and I'm reading it. I'm like, oh, this isn't resonating. They said that Jesus is saying that Christianity is the only way to God. And that that's the only way to live. And I remember I was going over this, going over this in my room with my Bible out, and I was really thinking about it, meditating on it. I was really trying. I was like, okay, Hannah, you got to get back on track here. This is getting out of hand. Everything's getting weird, and it's, you got to stop this. And I'm sitting there. And then I just had this image. It was so weird, so scary. I remember I slammed my Bible closed, and I was like, I got to go do something else. But I had this image come into my head of, you know, like, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Instead of seeing Jesus as this singular thing, this singular person, Jesus became this spirit, this moving, fluid, spiritual force that it would shapeshift into another culture, another God, another image, another way of seeing God. And I was like, oh, no. 
And then it it wasn't Jesus is restricted to this form. It was like any way that you can reach out and find God, that's Jesus. It wasn't excluding all other cultures and beliefs. It included them for the first time. And I would see, yeah, Jesus in all of these different nations and all these different cultures. But it wasn't Christianity. It was, but it wasn't. It mixed with all these different things and labels went away. There weren't labels. It was just God in all of these different spaces and all these different beautiful ways. And that in the same way that we're all humanity, but we have different colored skin, we have different cultures, we have different ethnicities, but we're all mankind, humankind. That's what I saw. I saw all of this different spiritual practice as Jesus. And that was a way to God through all of these things. And then I was really scared. I was like, what the heck was that? That's the devil. It's the devil. Oh my God, it's the devil. The devil's in my brain. The devil is in my brain. I can't, I gotta get this out. And I was like, no, 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 no. And then part of me was like, but wouldn't that be so beautiful if that's the way it was? Like, shut up. Stop. Don't. Don't go there. And then the part of me would be like, oh, I'm going to go there. And be like, no, don't. You know, so I'm trying to like block this image out of my head, but it would come up and it would come up and I would have less and less willpower to fight it. And I was like, you know, maybe maybe we can explore this idea. No one's saying we have to believe anything different. Yes, the church has said that this is how people fall away from God. The slippery slope, starting to think about these things, actually ask questions. This is what they warned me about, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're wrong. (laughs) 